Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me on episode nine of the show about the show. My name is Devlin Clark. As always, I am the host and creator of this episode and this podcast, which can be found on iTunes by searching the show about the show. I have a great guest tonight. I'm very excited. He's a former Major League Baseball player with the Minnesota Twins and the and Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. He also is a the current minor league manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates Double A team, the Altoona Curve. And we are going to be speaking with him about all that and a funny incident that happened in in a game against the Indians in 2003. So, lots to get to this evening on the on this episode. Michael Ryan, Michael, how you doing tonight? Good, Devlin. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Hey, thank you very much for coming on. Um, want to start out, you were drafted in the fifth round by the Minnesota Twins in 1996. Can you kind of talk about the process leading up to the draft and then getting that phone call? Yeah, sure. Uh, first of all, uh, appreciate you having me on tonight. Uh, looking forward to the interview. I'm excited also. Um just a little bit about the process, I guess, about getting drafted. I was, yeah, I'm a northeastern guy. You know, I was playing high school baseball up north, uh, high school right outside of Pittsburgh. So um, we had we had 18 games in my senior year in high school. So to have some scouts show up, it was it was odd, um, but was fortunate enough to go to a showcase camp where I did pretty well and. Um, starts that started to show up to some games and would have me do some private workouts and um, the better that I was playing in high school the you know I would go and was fortunate enough to be invited to some private workouts at some major league stadiums and um, I guess that's put me on the map and you know luckily I was drafted by Minnesota yeah absolutely can you kind of talk about um, you know, obviously a lot of people never know what it's like to play Major League Baseball. Can you kind of talk about the days leading up to the draft? Did you know you were going to get drafted? And then kind of talk about getting that call. I would imagine it probably came from Terry Ryan or one of his um, front office people. Actually, um, I, I had been told that there was a chance that I would get drafted. I just wasn't sure where. I didn't, wasn't sure what round. I was told, you know, you're told different things. You could go early, you could go late. It depends on, you know, what your signability is. Um, depends on if you're even interested or do you want to go to college. So um, the day of the draft, um, I had a bunch of close friends and a, and a lot of family over to the house. And it's back in the old days, they didn't have the draft on TV. You just basically waited for a phone call. And 
Um, it was probably about 2.15 in the afternoon. I The phone rang from a place that we didn't recognize, and, you know, I answered it, and it was my scout from Minnesota. His name's Gene DeBoer. Uh, Gene DeBoer called me and told me that the Minnesota Twins just drafted me in the fifth round. So um, after that, uh, I received some phone calls uh, from Terry Ryan, um, the area and also the area scout that or the uh, national scout that came to see a couple of my high school games and they just welcomed me into the organization. So it's exciting and I guess nerve wracking at the same time because I knew that I had a pretty big decision to make as far as signing a pro contract or going to go play college baseball. Absolutely, absolutely, and that was. Was that a tough decision, or was that a pretty easy decision? Pretty easy decision. Um, I, I wanted uh, my dream was always to to play in the to play in the major leagues. So was, you know, it's just like every kid's dream when they were when they're younger. Right. Uh, I thought that might be a way to go about it, or maybe have a good time a little bit quicker if that was going to be a possibility than going to college. Um, you know, and if you I was a 17-year-old kid, and 17-year-old kid that didn't come from much. When he gets offered a little bit of money, of course you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna take it. You're so, gonna jump at that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I decided to sign. Absolutely. And was the signing process easy? Like, can you kind of kind of talk about that whole process? Because I, you know, I've always I've I've talked to other players on here and they've always they a few of them have said you know they got drafted but they didn't sign and some of them said signing was a very you know easy no brain decision like you just did can you kind of talk about the process about you know drafting and then signing and then did they tell you where you were going to go double A triple A that kind of thing um they didn't t- they didn't tell me anything where I was going to go play at the to start. Um, until after I signed a contract, but the, the the whole negotiations was sort of stressful. I mean, um, we did some research as far as you know. My uncle helped me out dramatically, and you know, my mother was there too a little bit. And you know, they did some research on what the the year prior what that uh, player got as far as the signing bonus from the Minnesota Twins and some other organizations. So um, the, so we had an idea of what money we were going to get. And, of course, you're always going to try to ask for a little bit more and see, you know, if they'll give it to you. But, you know, that took a couple of days, and then we finally settled. Um, the interesting thing that happened was after I signed, I had gotten sent down to the DCL. It's the – you know, first level that I started at and sure. about three, you know, about three days into that, I mean, it was tough. It was the first time I was ever away from home. Um, the the man that was uh, my first agent who was representing me, he was saying that, you know, my contract's not, it's not legal yet. I signed, I forgot to, they forgot to have me sign in a particular area and you know, if I wasn't happy or if I didn't want to go the pro ball route, then I could change my mind and just go back home. So um, I thought about it for two days, honestly, and so they sent me a new contract. But 
I ended up signing it. So I thought that was an interesting thing that had happened three days into a taste of pro ball. <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't as glamorous as it seemed being stuck in right. the ACL. It's 95 degrees in Fort Myers and, you know, it, no one's at the game and you just, it's not what was explained to you. <laughs> so, right. Um, right. So I ended up, you know, I just wanted to still chase my dream and, and sign a contract. And you did that, absolutely, absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me, can you kind of talk about who else was in that draft signing class of yours that Twins fans might recognize? Oh, man, I mean, um, that was the year that they, Minnesota drafted Travis Lee in the first round, and he ends up not okay. signing with yeah. And um, yeah, I think actually, he ended up playing with the Diamondbacks, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, well, I think that he, he actually got a pretty big contract as a free agent, uh, might have been with the Rays, Devil Rays at the time. Okay. Yep. Um, yep. Okay. He, you know, it was a it was a thing where if you didn't sign after a period of time, then you could, I guess, basically sign anywhere. Or, um, sure. If, if that if a team didn't offer you a contract, then uh, I think you were free to sign anywhere. And okay. I know that. Um, he had told Minnesota that he wasn't going to sign with them from the beginning, so they never offered him a contract, I don't believe. Um, so he went elsewhere. Um, Jock Jones was in that draft as the second rounder. Um, okay, yep. Chad Allen was the fourth rounder. Dan Say uh, was the third rounder, I believe. And, you know, I'm not too sure who was after. Okay. Yeah, Chad Allen is still in the Twins organization. He's actually the um, he's actually the hitting coach in in either Double AA A or Triple A, yeah. A for him. Yeah, he's in Triple A. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the Rochester hitting coach, and I know Jock is the uh, hitting coach, most or hitting assistant, I guess, a coach for uh, the Washington Nationals here a year or two ago. One one thing yeah. that I. Uh, Absolutely. Um, so let's let's fast forward a little bit. We're going to go into the 2000s. You know, obviously, the Twins weren't very good in the late 90s. Uh, you signed a contract with them, obviously. You know, you talked about signing and being drafted. And then the word contraction starts getting thrown around. The Twins were one of the teams that were threatening to be contracted in the late 90s, along with the Rays and a couple other teams. Can you talk about just kind of – if you heard anything internally from the organization or what your thoughts were on possibly going, Oh man, I signed with a team that might no longer exist and I may not make it to the major leagues. Yeah. I remember, um, I, I remember hearing a lot of rumors and a lot of people talking that, um, there was a very high possibility that the the franchise was going to move to Charlotte, North Carolina. I believe that was the place that they were going to go. Sure. Um, and it was, yeah, it was actually a scary time. You know, you, the twins do a great job of, you know, as younger players, um, teaching you the history of Minnesota twins baseball and, um, celebrating the, the two world series teams and the, the great players that went through the organization. And, uh, the more that you learn about the organization, the more you feel part of though. You know, you understand the history and um, the great players that put on a Twins uniform. So it was, 
it's very shocking that there was a possibility of them maybe moving to Charlotte. So, um, you know, you don't know if they move to Charlotte that all of a sudden they become a big market team where they're going to be able to buy free agents and your chances are, you know, pretty slim of getting to the major leagues at that point, you know, if they're going to be a high market team and be able to, you know, have a huge payroll. Yeah. Did the Twins did the Twins tell players in the minor leagues or anybody at that time after they found out they weren't going to be contracted? Like, how did you hear that, you know, when the decision was finally made that they're not going to be contracted? How did you hear that? Um, I don't, I don't really remember, um, okay. just people talking back and forth. I, I know that there was maybe some things on the television that was mentioned on ESPN and things like that, that ones were going to stay put. And, um, I think that's what I remember when we okay. started to feel, feel some relief. Sure. Let's fast forward a couple of years. We're going to go to 2002. That was a pretty good season for the Twins. We ended up making it all the way to the American League Championship Series against the Anaheim Angels, and we ended up losing, but we beat the heralded Moneyball Oakland Athletics in the in mm-hmm. a five-game series. Talk to me about September 20th, 2002, and what you remember about that day. Uh, that was my, it's funny, that was, that was your... I think that might have been my debut that uh, wasn't a debut. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's funny because uh, the AAA team that I was on in Edmonton, we ended up winning the championship, and um, the the major league team had already clinched the division, so um, as a September call-up, we got there pretty late because we had went all the way, and um, I believe we got there on the 18th. So, you know, I had two full days in the big leagues where I just watched the game and didn't get into any act. And so once the division was clinched, um, you know, Guardy's going to rest the big boys and give some of us AAA guys an opportunity. And Sure. Um, so that was my debut. I, I hit leadoff uh, and played left field. I'll never forget it. Um, facing Nate Cornejo, first at bat of the game, in the big leagues on the fourth pitch, I got a single up the middle, so I was one for one. Well, here we there you up. go. Well, yeah, so here we end up. We actually score nine runs in the first inning, so I come up again. So I'm hitting two times in the first inning of my debut, and I get a base hit, two RBIs, um, and I get score another run. So um, I was actually the first guy in their major league debut to have two hits, two RBIs, and two runs scored in the first inning of a major league debut. So I really accomplished something. I, you know, I was excited, and <laughs> it was brought to my attention. And, you know, there was some Hall of Fame people there, and they, you know, asked if I could have the bat after the game. They were going to um, take it. And, you know, I'm I'm a young you know, big-eyed major league debut playing right. young player. You know, I'm just excited. Yeah, yeah I've won the Hall of Fame. Yeah, you can, yeah, the Hall of Fame wants it. Yeah, you guys can have everything you want. Yeah, first game in the yeah. big leagues, you know, they're going to put my bat in the Hall of Fame, so it's that easy, I guess. But 
right. uh, all of a sudden, you know, we're up we're up nine to nothing. The game means absolutely nothing. It starts to rain in the third inning. Um, it's a travel day. The team's flying into, you know, we're going to Chicago after the game. So, I mean, it's it's a downpour. It's not going to stop anytime soon. So, the game gets canceled in the third inning. Um, we're not going to play Detroit the rest of the year because it's September the 20th, so the game doesn't count. Uh, neither does the two hits, the two RBIs, or the two runs scored, so it's like it never happened. So, you know, my Major League debut was a pretty good one, but it, it's like it never happened. It didn't exist. It, it was lost away. Sure, sure. That's still That had to be a pretty special moment for you, though. I mean, even, even you know, you're facing Nate Cornejo, you get a single up the middle, you run to first base, you round it, you come back, you got the coach there. What's going through your mind, head, and body when you're when you're standing there on first base, fourth pitch of the game, and you just made your major league debut and you got a base hit? You know, you, all the emotions go through. You know, your 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 mind. Uh, you know, just so satisfied that you were able to play in the major leagues, and you know. It's, to step foot in that beautiful stadium in Detroit and to play on a major league field. Um, just no one could ever take that away. I finally made it to the big leagues. I've realized my childhood dream. and um, It's just such a special moment. You think that you're prepared for it, but um, the what you feel is you, it, you really can't explain. You know, you think that you're prepared for it or you, you think that you know what it's going to feel like, but I mean, it's a million times better than what you would imagine, and you know, fortunate, blessed enough that I got that opportunity. Absolutely. So, you know, you, you mentioned that you're a big-eyed, wide-eyed major leaguer. 2002 season, you've got Tory Hunter, Joe Nathan, Jock Jones, Corey Koski, all Joe Mauer, all these kind of guys. What's that? That locker room had to be a heck of a lot of fun. Well, it it was um, it was a special it was a special clubhouse because you know you have superstar players that had come through our system. Um, those guys they played with each other year after year in the minor leagues, and just to see how close knit they were, um, it was it was special to be a part of something that you didn't really want to get in the way of, um, but to watch them, yeah. Grow as a team and really care about one another. It just was, it was an awesome experience, and you know the success that they had was just wasn't a coincidence. And um, you know, you get young players to get to the big leagues and they and they start to have success and turn into superstars. I think that was a lot of fun to watch. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's uh, let's fast forward to a to a, almost a year. Um, from your major league debut, almost a year exactly, you're you're playing Cleveland, and something rather funny happened on September fourteenth, two thousand three. Two thousand three. Yeah. So Johnny Peralta hits a fly ball. Can you set that up and tell us what happens and what the result was? Sure. Uh, you know Peralta. Peralta. I'm playing right field, and. Um, Peralta hits a ball into right center, so it's a Sunday afternoon game, and in Jacobs Field, the sun was just awful in right field the whole game, and I was almost thinking to myself, if a ball gets hit over to my right side, if I go about 10 steps, 
I'm, uh, it's going to go in the sun. I might be in trouble. Well, wouldn't you think two innings later, Peralta hit the ball 10 steps to my right. And <laughs> so I'm running after it in the gap, and <clears throat> the ball goes into the sun. I take about three more steps. The ball comes out of the sun, so I pick it up again and um, take three more steps. The ball's in the sun again. Try to get an angle on the sun. I see the ball at the last second, the ball, and when I took the step, the ball went right into the sun, so I had no idea where it was at, and I just felt something hit me in the head and don't really, I don't know if I was unconscious, but, like, I don't remember, like, three or four seconds after that. I just remember Dustin Moore standing beside me. He said, I caught that. Just want to let you know I caught it. Well, here the ball bounced off my head straight up into the air, and Dustin Moore comes over and makes a running catch off of my head. So <laughs> the funny thing about well, it was funny. It wasn't funny at the time, but, right. you know, that it ended up being my first major league assist, which is the funny part, I guess. Um, right. And, you know, so Gardy comes out with the trainer, and I tell him, I said, I'm fine. I, I can, I'm good. I can stay in. And Gardy tells me, I can see everybody looking like they're not looking in my eyes, they're looking at my head. You know, they're not, they're talking to my head, not to me, you know, but they're staring at my head. So Gardy says to me, okay, I'll let you stay in the game if you can get your hat on. And I said, oh, yeah, no problem. So I try to put my hat on, and I just have this big goose egg on the top of my head, or, you know, oh. on my forehead. And I said, like, okay. So. I can't get the hat on. I guess I should come out of the game because, you know, I got a CAT scan and things after just to sure. make sure that, you know, I didn't have a skull fracture or something crazy. But sure, I didn't. I don't know how it hit me in the forehead because I had my hat on and my, my you know, I wore my hat, the brim of the hat, you know, just above my eyebrows, and I had sunglasses on. So I don't know. I really don't know how it hit me in the forehead. In the forehead but you know, <laughs> luckily uh, – Luckily, Dustin Moore was an unbelievable outfielder. He was able to make the play off of my head. So um, the funny thing was is there was a bunch of people calling me that night and said that, yeah, you just were on, you know, you were just on SportsCenter, you were just on ESPN. And my aunt called me the next morning and she goes, oh, my goodness, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine. Why? She goes, well, I was watching the Today Show and, Katie Kirk's talking about the ball that bounced off your head. So, you know, I made some <laughs> national headlines with it and, you know, made some national Absolutely. TV channels. Maybe so not was, the way it you It ended up being so funny. Yeah, I mean, yeah, looking back at it now, it's oh, it was such a funny thing. So, Right. Michael, we got about uh, seven minutes and some change left here. So, you retired as a player – and you got into – you take a path that many former players um, get into, and we mentioned earlier Jock Jones and Chad Allen being a couple of them. You mm-hmm. got into coaching and managing, and you are the manager of the AA Pirate, the Pittsburgh Pirates AA team, the Altoona Curve. Now, being from the Pittsburgh area, that's got to be a pretty, pretty cool thrill for you. Um, can you give me about two minutes on uh, kind of what you – what got you into uh, being a manager? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, to be honest with you, 
uh, I, I didn't retire to be. I they just stopped calling. <laughs> no, you know our major league <laughs> manager likes to say that you don't retire, they stop calling. Um, sure. I stopped calling in two thousand after the two thousand and ten season. So in two thousand eleven, I didn't. I didn't do anything. I just sat at home and you know was just being a father um, to my at the time infant son and um 2012 you know I, I wanted to get back in the game somehow and I knew I wasn't going to do it as a player my time has passed and um selfishly I wasn't I guess satisfied with the way that my career went so I wanted to try to maybe have a better career as a coach so I sent my resume out to you know every team and uh, Pittsburgh's the only team that uh, got back to me and said, you know, we'd have some interest bringing you in and uh, was able to interview and, you know, got got the job with them. And um, it was for selfish reasons. It was all about, you know, because I wanted to have a better career. But, you know, now it's my main concern or my what drives me is, you know, impacting players to get to the major leagues and help Pittsburgh win a world series and trying to give back to the game and give them some knowledge and whatever I can do to help. Um, Absolutely. It's, it's Absolutely. my passion right now. Yeah. They, you know, you guys, you guys, we got about five minutes left. Um, Pirates made a pretty big decision off season in a lot of fans eyes. They decided to quote rebuild. They traded Andrew McCutcheon, the face of the franchise, can you kind of talk to me real quickly about what that's like to trade the face of the franchise to an organization and what message that sends to both minor leaguers and fans? You know, I think as a fan, um, if you look at it, it's, it's frustrating. Um, you know, as a pirate fan, you were, you probably imagined Andrew McCutcheon being in a pirate uniform for the rest of his career. Um, but on the business side, you know, our general manager, Neil Huntington, uh, his number one focus and his number one is concern is, well, what can I do to make the Pittsburgh Pirates better? Not only for today, but for the future. And, um, so to, to see it from both sides, I, I, you know, I get to see that a little bit. Um, I think Andrew McCutcheon is going to, still has unbelievable years ahead of him and those are going to be with the Giants or if he becomes a free agent and decides to do that elsewhere. You know, I think the Pittsburgh Pirates are a team of the future um, and the future starts tomorrow. You know, they're, they're in a good situation. They got some unbelievable young talent back that are major league ready or are going to have an impact on the major league team uh, immediately. Absolutely. Michael, we got about three minutes and some change left here. You know, I'd be remiss if, as a Twins fan, I didn't ask you for a Ron Gardenhire story. Can you give me a funny or – can you give me some funny Gardy story or talk about maybe one time you saw him get ejected and just do something really funny? Can you give me a funny Ron Gardenhire story? you got a, about two and a half minutes. Oh, I don't. I don't know if I could just pick one. <laughs> um, <laughs> just you get to know Guardian. He's one of the most funniest guys you ever meet. But you know, when the game starts, he's such a competitor. And you know, 
The one yeah. thing that I loved about him was how much he cared for each player. He was just absolutely, he told you the truth. Um, and you could do nothing but respect him for that. So, you know, one time in Kansas City, Gardy comes out and he's arguing a call and he's trying like heck to get thrown out of the game. And I don't know what the umpire's name was. I forget. But, you know, the umpire knew exactly what Gardy was doing. And um, Gardy says, I'm not leaving the field until you throw me out of the game. Uh, <laughs> and Gardy, being as smart as he is, knew that the umpire wasn't going to throw him out of the game. Dropped every name in the book. You know, just basically undressed this umpire, and the umpire still wouldn't throw him out of the game. So, Gardy ends up saying that they're, you know, come on, you got to throw me out of this game. There's this game that I need to see on television. I don't know if it was a Monday night football game or something, but it starts in three minutes, and the umpire then threw him out of the game. <laughs> so, he didn't even get thrown out of the game for our, you know, because he was so upset about a call, you know, which he was, but. You know, the umpire ends up falling for the trick that Gardy tells him. Like, I, I really don't, you know, I really need to watch this game. So the umpire's like, oh, okay, well, if that's the case, and if you're not mad about the call, then I'm going to throw you out of the game. So Gardy ends Absolutely. up tricking the umpire. And, you know, <laughs> I thought it was hilarious, you know. And Gardy, you know, Gardy's doing his ranting and raving, and he's throwing his hat down, right. and he's kicking the dirt, and, you know. Right. He's like, I got to watch this dang game. I mean, you don't understand how important this game is. I got to see. And he's screaming and yelling, but he's putting a show on for the fans. And, you know, it looks like he's really cussing out the umpire, but he's telling about how much he wants to watch this game, and the umpire throws him out of the game. So (laughs) on the field, I guess that's the cleanest story that I can say about Gardy. That was something that, you know, that stuck in my mind. Absolutely. Hey, Michael, we got to wrap up here. We got about 20 seconds yeah. left. Hey, thank you so very much for coming back on, for coming on the show. I had a blast coming on, and maybe we'll uh, get together and touch base again sometime within the season. Otherwise, I'll catch you after the season. Thanks a lot. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yep, thank you. All right, everybody, that was Michael Ryan. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.